0: All right, bonus round, so Chris you know, dice hate me, you've got some really cool games. Viva Java is a really cool one uh, heartland American truck what's the name of that one the truck great Heartland Holland Company, yeah, that one, I like that one a lot, and those you know and you've got games that are ten dollars and twenty dollar games, and now you know talking about the margins in board games are already low. But I can't imagine how low the margin is for a ten dollar game. Like you just, <laughs> like you're, you're scraping by on that. So let's talk about the considerations that that go into both designing a game that's going to be ten dollars or twenty dollars, and then the considerations you have from a publishing standpoint for for how to get those games to market, but still not lose everything in the process.
1: They're pretty closely in, intertwined, actually. As uh, as you design a game, now not everyone has to think from a publisher's. Uh, standpoint or mentality but it can help uh, one thing you want to think about is restraint so as you're designing a smaller game you want to think about uh, some setting some limits so for instance one of the reasons why we have a lot of the rabbit series which are the, the $10 card games is because I wanted to see what people could do with just 54 cards and so I issued a 54 card challenge and, um, you know, offered some prize money, but also a publishing consideration for the original Rabbit series and want to see pe- what people could come up with, with using just 54 cards. And a lot of them were super unique and cool. And so people designing with that certain restraint in order, it not only did it help them to come up with unique ideas, but it also helped from a publishing standpoint because we knew that we could produce 54 cards and sell it as a $10 game and still make a profit off of it. Yeah. So. Same thing where we're considering the $20 Monkey series is that like uh, Carnival was the original one, but the Great Heartland Holland Company is in that, Bell of the Ball. That's re- relating to yourself basically to maybe 108 cards and a few small components. You know, As you're designing your game, think about the price point that you might as a, a gamer pay for that game considered and based on the actual play of the game itself. So trying to think about um, like, okay, well, I got 54 cards I'm going to work with, or if you start to design, and all of a sudden you've got seventy-five cards in your game, and these a few tokens and things like that, you think, well, is this a twenty-dollar game? Yeah. Uh, can do I think that it could be made and sold for twenty dollars and still be worth it as a twenty-dollar game, or is it one that the publisher could possibly, you know, sell for this? And and development can, development can help with that as well. If you start to design a game, and there seems to be some, you know, some extra fluff to it, you could cut loose. You know, learning. Learning to cut certain things from the game without sacrificing gameplay is an art and it takes time yeah no doubt but it's very very important for games small especially small games like this that uh, are are important for the game space
0: yeah definitely you know kill your lovelies or what, whatever the the, the saying your babies is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely get get rid of the stuff even if you love it if it you know if you can live with it and the gameplay not be affected by it maybe cut it out. You know, JT Smith, he talked about cut, cut, cut. And when you think you're done cutting, cut some more. And then and then you'll get down to where the game really needs to be. And for a $10 game, that's got to be the mentality uh, without question. Because these aren't, I don't know, these aren't exactly micro games. Like you're not, it's not like a 12-card game or 15-card game. These are a little bit bigger than that. But there's still so many things to, to think about. But now, you know, working with designers on these games, have you found that that restriction
1: was actually helpful
0: in their process?
1: In terms of the 54-card challenge, yes, absolutely. Um, it's, a lot of people came back and said that they really enjoyed the challenge of it. And that's what I was hoping. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to interact and, and engage the design space and give people something to think about. And some of those 54-card games have gone on to do super well, like uh, Dankassar's uh, Blood of an Englishman, which was picked up by Renegade has done super well. And it was in the 54 card challenge and it was fun back then. And he he developed it a little bit more, went through the cardboard Edison design process and then finally was submitted and picked up and it's, it's done super well. And and a lot of our rabbits have as well. And people felt like, you know, that it, it, it not, not only did it help them to live up to that challenge, but also I think it made some realize of, yeah, if I do, maybe set some limits on myself for this type of game, it can help me in the design process, not only for editing, but just you know the palatability of selling a game of that, that size.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, if somebody was you know creating a game that is on the smaller side and trying to get it published, and they went to Dice Haven and said, oh, okay, you guys, you do these uh, $10 games, would, what would be your advice as far as them submitting that to you or, or talking to you at a con about one of these types of games, one of these small games?
1: Well, just like with any game, really, it's it's all about your elevator elevator pitch. You know, Work on your elevator pitch. You've got to, in a smaller game, it's a little easier, too, because you could even whip, you know whip the deck out and say, well, here's this card that does this, 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 and this. But basically, w- within three minutes, and time yourself, within three minutes, you've got to convey the theme, the concept, and the execution of that game to a publisher. Because if you're going to approach them, especially at a con, their time is very limited, unless you have a specified uh window of time to sit down and run through a game which is usually relegated to a larger game you got to know what you're talking about with that game itself and you can say also if you do your research right you can talk about it from a publisher standpoint you can say well you know i know that the cost of this could be this or here here here's how many cards so that's the first thing i do is like when somebody comes up and talks to me about a game uh, inevitably i will stop them and say how many cards are in the game yeah and they'll they'll tell me and so that factors into okay i already know that we got to have to do it at this price point or this size box and you know it's like if you know your card count you know exactly how many components you need and you could do those components in a few different ways like the more knowledge you have bringing into a publisher uh, the, eventually if a publisher is interested enough they will take the time to ask you those questions but it can save some time if you say well if you're especially if you're familiar with lines of certain certain game types, like somebody could approach me and say, "Hey, this this could be a monkey," especially because mm. if they know what a monkey is, you know, it's like right. those those types of of research in presenting to certain uh, publishing uh, and companies can be very valuable. Definitely.
0: Well, cool. So what I basically just heard you say, if I, if somebody sees you at a con, they've got one of these smaller games, they need to whip their deck out, and you'll ask them how big it is. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Okay, cool. That is one hundred percent correct. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad we can have a lot of fun on this show. So, work game design lab after dark. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is in the bonus material, and only, you know, X number of people right. listen to that part. So anyway, so, and if you're listening to this, I really appreciate you listening to the bonus material because there's a lot of really cool stuff we go into on these episodes. Anyway, well, cool, man. I really appreciate Anything else to kind of add as far as that goes? Well, not as far as that goes, but as far as in general goes.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, just, I will say, as far as like design, just in general, you're going to come across designs and and times when you hit a wall in design and don't be frustrated by that like
0: yeah.
1: if you if you love something enough set it aside for a while work on something else come back to it but also on the by that same caveat if you're working something to death and it's just not working man just let it go yeah just like you there could be other things you could be doing much more of your time than trying to fit a square peg into a round hole so knowing when to return to that thing you love and knowing when to let it go. Huge, huge for the design space.
0: No, that's incredible advice. And that's actually something I ran into about a month ago. I was doing my best to create a professional wrestling game. I love professional wrestling. There needs to be a definitive game about it. And I was doing my best to create it. And everything, just like you were saying earlier in the main show, it just didn't feel right. It didn't, just didn't feel good. And so mm-hmm. I stepped back from it and realized that if I changed the theme, just a bit, it might actually turn into a pretty interesting little football game. And it turned into a pretty good, What well, I think is good, football game that's probably the best game I've ever made. But it was because I was willing to go, you know what, this isn't working. I'm going to scrap that whole wrestling idea, and let's try something different. And so just always be ready and willing to do that, because you never know what might come out on the other side. Absolutely. Well, cool. Chris, really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate the uh BGDL after dark moment we can have right there. Uh, But anyway, good luck with everything you got going on over at Dice Hate Me. And, uh, you know, really, I hope for your success with Faye of the Elder Gods. I hope that game just takes off and does really, really well. And just have fun with that whole process, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Awesome.